but the good man Bob Ross is is untouchable. He's a legend, okay? Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, Bob Ross's mushroom dealer, my brother Mike. <laughs> how dare you? How, how dare you? How dare I make a very smirch? Oh, how dare I make a very logical connection between Bob Ross and the, the lifestyle smirch? he be living? No! No! The smirch, the good name Ross? I understand. Okay, you like to poke fun at me, that's fine. But the good man, Bob Ross, is is untouchable. He's a legend, okay? He's not some filthy hippie, all right? He's not some, he's not some tech bro, the first time at Burning Man kind of thing, all right? This is Bob Ross. He's, a, he's an icon in America. You're over here trashing the man. You just said Golly. Bob Ross is not some kind of hippie. And I'm like, where are we? the guy has a... I said filthy hippie. The guy's a white man's <laughs> afro. What are we talking about here? The, guy, the guy's talking... <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a perm. Did you The know guy's that? talking about happy trees. What do, you, what do you want from me? Like, Go watch the Bob Ross documentary. You will find out that that is actually a, a hairstyle choice that he makes. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. That is, that is his due. Yeah. And it's... Uh, and it's a wild story behind it, too, actually. All right. Great I, documentary. I, de- I actually I really do want to watch that, so I'm going to do that. It's good. Uh, on this week's episode, we'll check in on how things are going in spring training so far, discuss a few of our Dark Horse Impact players for 2024. I'm looking forward to that conversation. And look ahead to next week's Cactus League action. Mike and I will get to see some of that action in person as we make our trek down yes. to Arizona. I'm very excited for that. So a reminder, we are heading to Arizona next week. We'll be creating a ton of content down there, releasing it daily, basically, through the various channels we release content to. So make sure you're subscribed to the Royals Weekly Substack, royalsweekly.substack.com, and follow us on all the socials to get all that content we're going to be making, especially YouTube and Instagram, because we're going to be putting out a ton of video from spring training, and it will feel like you're in Arizona yourself with all that content that you'll be getting. It's going to be like a daily deluge of guys taking batting practice and infield and all, all these different things we're shooting video of. So make sure you're subscribed on the socials. Make sure you're subscribed to that Substack, royalsweekly.substack.com, and you'll get all this extra dope content we're coming out with. Another reminder that Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? The love of a good woman. Absolutely not. You're a cold, cold, lonely, sad man. I call. I think of it more as a stern man. I'm a stern man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm Sam. <laughs> securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone can take for themselves and their family. And Nap Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nap Family Wealth is run by J.C. Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help with retirement planning so you don't have to work until you're dead, education planning so your kids learn to read good, investment management so you can get all that money out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because, trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Security and securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a limited investment advisor, or limited, uh, I can't read, a registered investment advisor, remember F-I-N-R-A slash S-I-P-C. Bob Ross could read. Yeah, yeah, he could. <laughs> he really could.
We'll start our review of last week with roster news, as always the case. Not a ton of roster news. Spring training, it's probably a good thing that there's not a ton of roster news right now, because the only roster news you hear right now is injury news. And what we're hoping mm-hmm. for is no injuries coming out of spring training. But the Royals did have one uh, earlier last last week that was eh, not great to hear, obviously. But, uh, you know, if it's going to happen to somebody, a bullpen guy isn't the worst of, of outcomes. Um, Carlos Hernandez was shut down for seven to ten days because of a shoulder issues he's having. Uh, there's no timetable for his return right now, so it's looking really uncertain. Like when I'm, I mean that, like it's almost a sure thing that he's not going to make the opening day roster. Uh, he'll be too busy getting ready for any sort of pitching he might do. Mike, what are your thoughts on Hernandez going down for for what looks like an indefinite amount of time? Yeah, I mentioned this uh, when we were doing our roster projection, I think last week, and I was like, we haven't really heard anything about this, and you're like, yeah, he'll be on the 26, man. Yeah, he'll be ready in time. No, they said he'll be I- ready in time. All like, I said was, we don't know anything. He, all I said, I wasn't going to change it until we knew more, right? Like, uh-huh, and now we know more, uh-huh, and that's he's yeah. going to be down. Uh-huh. Well, I saw it coming from a mile away, okay? Okay. Um, okay. It's 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 kind of sucky. Obviously, you don't want to lose that depth. You know, he's one He's the one of, like, three guys that are coming back from last year, Carlos Hernandez. Been streaky, so you don't really know. But I imagine he stays, if everything goes the way they want it to, he stays in uh, extended spring training and then joins the team a little bit later. If that actual seven to 10 days, and they mentioned a cortisone shot as well. That's, I don't know if that's really bad or really good. I don't really, I, I've never really understood those to begin with, I guess if they're for pain, if they're for inflammation, I don't really know, but um, yeah, that's, that's tough either way. You don't like to see it, but if everything goes optimally, it's just a couple of weeks probably. We'll see. I, I don't know. Shoulders are really tough. They're, you know, it used to be, that's the thing where we're like, you know, sure, you get an elbow injury, you got Tommy John's or whatever, you know, whatever, but you don't want anything to happen to your shoulder. The shoulder was perceived as like, okay, this one could end your career kind of a thing, you know. I don't think nobody's talking about this injury being that bad, but, well, you hate to hear a guy getting a cortisone shot before the season even starts, you know, like. Yeah. And so, you know, typically, the, I always hear that shot associated with pain of some sort. Guys use it to alleviate pain and then essentially pay, play through the pain. I don't know exactly what his purposes for using it are, but hopefully he can start feeling better and get back to it. Their bullpen is more, uh, what's the word I'm saying? We're thinking of is more able, I think of handling an injury at this point than it would have been last year because, you know, last year somebody would go down and it'd be like, ah, here comes, you know, XYZ from AAA, who's Jackson Kowar, John Heasley, you know, whoever. And, you know, it was never going to be good at that point. Yeah. Well, and, and, and we've seen Walter Pennington show some things, you know, he, I know he would have to be added, I believe to the 40 man. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, that's at least gives you maybe a little bit of hope, like, okay, we can fill this spot if we need to. I can't think of any other standout guys in the bullpen that we, we could possibly put in there right now, but cause my boy Alta Vila hasn't, hasn't pitched so well, but, uh, you know, th- there's, there are some options still and and Carlos Hernandez isn't the eighth inning guy this year you know this he's not guy we're really counting on necessarily so that's good yeah Luis Sessa has pitched pretty well I think uh in the bullpen non-roster invitee uh Sam Long has pitched pretty well uh, oh yeah Uh, yeah. limited action he's gotten uh and if I'm not mistaken they have one guy on their 40 man right now who is set to go on the 60-day IL I can't remember who it is like he's been on the 60-day IL already or he would have been and so they're just waiting to like, but they're keeping that spot open right now, like as a way of being like, well, if somebody gets cut 
from some other team. We can bring in a guy maybe as a bullpen or if we make a trade, we feel like we need a trade. And that 40-man spot's open for us. They can play with it. It gives them some flexibility. If they end up adding a guy like Pennington, maybe maybe that's the answer to uh, you know filling that 40-man spot. I think they're leaving Does that Kyle open right now Wright for flexibility. That? Is- it's probably Wright, yes, that that, yes, it's probably right. Kyle Wright. Okay. Yeah, um, and so he's the guy who they did it with Bubich already, right? Remember they brought in um, who they bring in? Oh, they brought in that catcher, Austin Nola. They signed yeah. Austin Nola, put Chris Bubich on the sixty-day IL, and that was the, his forty-man spot. There's one of those left, and so they might use, use that to bring somebody in, or they might use that to promote Pennington or someone else, or Will Klein or somebody to the forty-man roster. Oh, Will Klein's already on the forty-man. Yeah. Whoever might need to come onto the 40 men, they might use that spot to do that. And so okay. we'll that see on sense. that. But there is that flexibility available. Uh, speaking of minor league relievers, Christian Chamberlain uh, had got some really bad news this week. Uh, he went down with a UCL injury. It was a UCL tear, and he has elected to get Tommy John. Mike, what are your thoughts on Christian Chamberlain going down for what looks like quite a while? Um, you know, it's obviously a bummer. You know, the guy's right on the kind of cusp of probably – He's probably a guy who was going to start in AAA any either way, maybe maybe AA, then a quick move to AAA. But uh, he was, you know, ho- probably hoping that second half of this season or beginning of next season he was going to start his major league time, and that probably has pushed that back a little bit. So sad for uh, Chamberlain. Is he the guy? Did we get him out at Oregon State. Is that yeah. where he pitched? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah, just a, a real bummer for him. It's still early enough in his career though, so he's he'll still have chances. Right. It'll be it'll be a long road to re- of recovery, but he has made it this far. And a guy with the type of stuff and the type of swing and miss stuff that teams are interested in. So let's hope he can get back to full strength and maybe come up, uh, come back and, you know, hit his stride again here near Major League ready uh, at that point. But we'll see. On the field last week, uh, it was an interesting and a winning week of baseball. Uh, for the Royals, which was great, they went six and two with a. They had one, they had eight games because they did a split squad game one day, uh, including they had a, some slugfest, late inning games, late inning rallies against the Guardians and Mariners. I think one of those they won thirteen to twelve, which is classic yep. Arizona scoreline there. Uh, Mike, <laughs> what stood out to you from the last week in spring training baseball? Well, in general, the the bats got going a little bit more like we were asking for for a couple weeks. So, yeah, it was cool to see that. Um, Melendez and Prado, especially were kind of some of the stuff that I was looking for. Like I, I haven't been the biggest believer in either one of those guys. Let me just put it, be very straight with everybody. Um, and, but I'm really hoping, especially Melendez that we see the Melendez of the second half. And so to see him, start to hit a little bit and even take a couple walks. I think that's going to be very big for him. Um, Prado, you know, you wanted him to strike out less and uh, he's had some hits too. So, you know, he's a first round guy. You want him to have success. I don't know that we need Prado right now a ton, but you know, somebody's going to go down. Somebody's going to get traded, something like that. So we need production or it would be nice to get production out of him as well as a top pick. And I like yours. You also took the one I was going to do. So, Oh really? See, I was trying to think yeah. which one won't Mike want, because I was going to go with one of these two points that we're making okay. because, um, I'm I've been higher on Melendez than I think you have, but I've been probably lower on Prado than a lot of people have. And I wrote that piece for the Substack what like a week ago, just talking about the struggles that he had offensively in 2023 and where what the root of those were. And if you remember, a big part of that was passivity when pitches are on the edge of the strike zone in two strikes, right? Like actually passivity generally when there are two strikes. He was taking way too many two strike pitches and getting called out, but he was also having not very much success on the edges of the strike zone when he was swinging. Uh, and so it looks more like, and he's been taking some 
some pitches on the outside edge there and like lining them for singles into, you know, left field for him, which is the opposite field. Um, and so, yeah, I've been interested to see what Prado has been doing. I think it's a very good development. There's, there is no way in which like being less passive on two, in two strike counts, isn't going to help him, right? It's going to help him. The more he swings in two strike counts with those pitches that are on the edges, the better. The question is, does he have the hit tool to actually may turn those into hits? And it looks like he's turning some of them into hits right now. So good for him. I want to see it over a longer period of time. I told uh, Royals reporter Kev uh, today that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, a I'm fan assuming of his idiot. name is Kevin, but I'm not entirely sure. I know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Kevin O'Brien, I think is his name. Um, it was escaping my mind for a second. Um, but I told, I, I tweet, or tweeted back and forth with him today. And I said that I thought my, I think the ideal plan for Prado is let him get at least a month in AAA to see what that looks like in actual competition. Nobody trusts spring trading anything and they shouldn't. Let him let him show that he's not going to strike out as much for a month down in AAA before we have to do anything with him, and then maybe we give him an opportunity if there's if there's a spot if there's an opportunity uh, available. I think that's a decent idea, um, yeah. but that wasn't even the one I chose. I chose Singer's outing as the thing that uh, impressed me the most or stood out to me, and it wasn't even that the stat line was successful. It was I think he went two innings, had three strikeouts, only gave up one hit and no runs, no walks too, which was great to see. It was One that hard he, hit ball, I think. It was that he, I think so, yeah. It was that yeah. he deployed four pitches in that outing, right? He didn't just throw, I think he threw all of them. I think he threw the sinker. I think he, I know he threw the four-seam fastball. Well, I know he threw the sinker, the slider, the four-seam fastball. I thought I saw the sweeper in there too. One, and then two, I actually two. thought I saw a changeup in there as well. Actually, I know I saw a couple changeups. And so five pitches, all five of his arsenal. And so to look at a guy, to look at Singer and say like, okay, great, you're throwing them. And then that article came out from Ann Rogers, Annie Rogers, who was like, yes, Singer now acknowledges that he should have been working on more pitches. He's working on more pitches. He's trying to expand his arsenal. And it's like, thank you, finally. Yes, like that's what I needed to hear. Like I need to hear that Singer is like expanding his, uh, I think of him in contrast to Lynch who like went out and pitched not very well today. And it's like, okay, Singer has now acknowledged the thing that everyone else in the world saw and, and, and he should have known for a long time, but at the very least he's done it now. And, and there's a lot of hope in my mind for what it might mean to see him be able to throw a, a forcing fastball when he needs to throw the sweeper when he needs to mix in the changeup more and all that sort of thing. I think that's going to make his arsenal so much more effective. And I was very happy to see that from him. So hopefully yeah, it keeps and, working. Yeah. The thing I put out there on threads is basically the kind of threads way of saying exactly what you just said. I said, it's crazy how a five plus ERA will change how coachable you are. <laughs> like, like, because he, and, and it was a great article for me. That was she, a great, article. a really good job. Um, just it, like explaining how maybe he wasn't comfortable with a grip or maybe he wasn't this or that, but a couple of times she basically kind of, without saying it, she said he wasn't too uh, hip to the idea of changing something. No, she was that very, way. that was very straightforward. It was just like, yeah, he was hesitant she, to change. He, he was, was hesitant, hesitant to, to change, do anything. Yeah. And, and I, I think it, it takes a lot to, to put that in there. Good, good job by her. But um, yeah, like you, you go, okay, but well maybe the changeup that we've been calling for isn't the pitch for him. Maybe the grip never felt comfortable for him. Maybe, you know, whatever. And now he's gone and said, okay, I'm going to add these other two pitches. I'm fine with that. If he never throws the changeup in a game, I am okay with that. If he's open to the idea of saying, okay, well, the sweeper is something that can help work for me like a changeup, you know, cause it's a little slower and moves a little bit more. That can be my off speed kind of pitch. And, and then I've got something to challenge the top of the zone with a four seam fastball. That's great. You just have to be open to change, man. And mm-hmm. that five 
0.36 ERA or whatever smacked him right in the face. Yeah, and he he I mean he had he said as much in there. There's a quote that where she asked him like what what yes what, what drew you to wanting to expand your arsenal? Said, well, I sucked, and that yeah. that that's the honest truth. That's great. <laughs> I love it when players are honest with themselves. There's nothing better for your career than being honest with yourself, right? Like you can you can come up with every excuse in the world why you had a five ERA last year, but regardless of what those excuses are, you sucked, right? Like, and so you need to do something to create change. And I love seeing a player come out and just to say it and do it, right? Like, don't don't talk about it, be about it. You know what I'm saying? So good job, Brady Singer. I hope it, we keep seeing a ton of success from you uh, out there. Uh, Mike, you mentioned it earlier, it looked like the offense got going a little bit with Melendez and Prado. A few others had some uh, success out there. Salvi had, I think, three hits today. Uh, does yeah. that make you feel any better about the lineup as it's sort of we move deeper into spring? No, not really. It's, it's one week in spring training, so uh, it doesn't really do much for me. But... It does create some interesting questions, and I think maybe you and I had talked about this yesterday when we were hanging out, or I can't remember where we were talking about this. Oh, we went on a tour of Kaufman yesterday. Awesome. And I Highly think, recommend. I think, I think maybe we talked about it when we were there or something, um, or when we were grilling. I can't remember. But it, it's going to create – it's creating some conversations like Garrett Hampson, Nick Lofton. Garrett Hampson not hitting. Nick Lofton hitting. Both kind of utility guys with some really different kind of roles, though. You wouldn't expect Lofton to play center. You know, you, you I bet Hampson can probably play third, but Hampson's not going to give you probably as much, maybe as much power. I, I don't know. They're really different players. Okay. What do you do in spring training when you paid one guy $2 million to come here? The other guy was already here and he's playing better than the guy you paid $2 million to. So, I don't know. It is raising some questions, but no, I'm not like everyone's fixed and the offense is great now or we're going to be okay. No, that's not. It's one week of spring training. It is. It is just one week of spring training. I'm intrigued not by the results because obviously spring training results mean nothing. I'm intrigued by the approaches, by the way that I'm seeing certain guys hit and I'm getting only limited video like everyone else, but you're hearing some things, you're seeing some things from guys like and I'm looking at the players who we really need to turn things around, who we need things to play better than they did, they did last year. Uh, so I'm looking at guys like Nick Prado and MJ Melendez and Kyle Isbell. I've been happy with what I've been hearing Kyle Isbell do or seeing Kyle Isbell do at the plate uh, here in spring training, driving the ball the other way, but figuring out ways to not strike out and just put the ball in play. It's small stuff with Isbell. He doesn't need to be, you know, a middle of the order bat, but he's finding a way to be productive at the bottom of the lineup. And that is going to mean so much for their lineup. MJ Melendez is just, he's, he's continued his hot start or his hot second half uh, in spring so far. So I've been happy to see that it's, it's the performance of the guys who really need to turn it around. That has intrigued me, especially this last week or so. We'll see if that continues. I think it probably will in spring training, but I'll, I'm interested to see, will it continue coming March, what 28th? Cause that's when the things start to really matter, you know? I'm interested also in the way the lineups have been constructed. If we can sort of like put on your like sleuth and hat, we'll look at some clues. Okay. I know you like to go on the internet and try and solve old cases, <laughs> cold cases. I do. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. <laughs> Has the way Matt Cotrera organized his lineups told you anything about how the team will look going into 2024? No, <laughs> no. Okay. All right. Moving <laughs> on to the next moving question. On. <laughs> these questions are terrible. Who wrote these? Okay. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> these things are garbage. I mean, no, of course not. It's it's a week of spring training. It, it, the lineups do nothing. Did you see? Wasn't Frazier batting cleanup the other day? I like, know. Well, weird. Well, 
that that is yeah. a, I'm gonna say that I have seen something from the lineups, right? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I've seen a couple things. Like, I I think I think all it's told us is the five guys we thought were gonna bat at the top of the lineup are gonna be the five guys we thought were gonna bat in their line in the five spots in the lineup. Like, no, it hasn't. Maybe you think you're gonna say, oh, it's led to like fifth outfielder stuff. Maybe you can tell some of that stuff, but no, I, how they're gonna line up exactly, no. But we kind of already know that for for the most part. <laughs> so. <laughs> For the most part, yeah, that's true. But uh, I will say that Matt Quotero came out and said that they'll probably carry five outfielders. Now, that creates uh, some interest. That does. You mentioned the Hampson thing earlier. It creates interest because if you carry five, it makes sense to carry five outfielders in some way, right? Because you have Garrett Hampson, you have Adam Frazier. Why have all these guys who can play multiple positions on the infield unless it's going to allow you to carry a fifth outfielder? At the same time, they keep playing Garrett Hampson in center field, right? They keep playing Garrett Hampson in center field, and that tells me, oh, wait, they're preparing to not have Drew Waters start the year with the big league club, right? They're preparing to say, like, okay, we want to make sure – they don't. I don't think they love Blanco in center field. I think they're like, we want to make sure we have somebody who can play pretty well in center field on days we want to sit Kyle Isbell. Obviously, Garrett Hampson could be a right-handed platoon for Kyle Isbell. I don't know how great I, he plays center field. I don't either, honestly. I think th- I don't either, uh, to be to be honest. But I think that's where their mind is as I'm looking at these lineups. And Garrett Hampson, I don't uh, keeps keeps being in center field. Like he's not. They're not playing him a lot in the infield. And so I wonder if that t- is telling us, wait, we're planning on using Garrett Hampson a lot as a center f- as the second center fielder behind uh, Kyle Isbell, which would mean, of course, pro- almost certainly that Drew Waters is not going to be with the big league club now. Lots can change. They could decide Hampson's not going to be with the big league club. He's not going to be with the Royals. <laughs> you know, like they could make some other type of decision, but it is interesting to me that they keep rolling out Hampson in center field. Um, so I'll, I'll be paying closer attention to that as we move forward. Royals weekly is brought to you by Eric Oksher of West USA realty. Phoenix has all of our favorite things year round golf year round baseball and Eric Oksher of West USA realty. Whether you want to buy your dream retirement home or just stay a while and catch spring training. Eric can help you find the perfect house for you. We've known him for 30 years and trust him far more than we even trust each other. I caught Mark hitting on my wife on my wedding day. On my wedding day. Hey, I just wanted her to let her know she had options. Okay. Mm, yeah, but- Eric does long-term rentals for the snowbird crowd and home sales and purchases for those who want to stay a while longer. Are you a baseball player or parent who needs a place in the Phoenix area? Eric will find you the perfect spot fast. Want to spend your days shanking golf balls into the great beyond? Eric knows the golf scene like Mike knows the inside of a box of Captain Crunch. Yeah. <laughs> can't, be, can't beat a classic like that. I guess. <laughs> I'm more of a Crunchberry guy, but okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> really? Find Eric online at ericoxer.com if you can figure out how to spell his name. It's E-R-I-C-K-A-U-X-I-E-R.com. Or just shoot him a text. That's way easier. 480-383-9745. That's 480-383-9745. Even if you're just curious about what he can do for you, he's 100% no pressure. One of the best people we know. And he can name every member of 90s supergroup Belle Biv DeVoe. That girl was poison. Hey, that sounds right. You know what I didn't know until today? They're just... They're just the leftover members of uh, New Edition after you, Bobby Brown left. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, I did not know that. I thought everybody knew that. 
for a team to go one from 106 losses to at all relevant or, or competitive or whatever we're hoping the Royals get to, they need a few <laughs> things to go their way. Luck, health, positive regression, all those things, of course. But they also need a few dark horse candidates to emerge as valuable pieces of their roster. Today, we're going to consider players we think could emerge as dark horse impact players for the Royals in 2024. In some cases, these players will have to break out if the Royals have a snowball's chance in hell of competing for the AL Central. We'll each pick three players. We just have a, a shot at, who all have a shot. We think have a shot at impacting the team. And because Mike has the most felony indictments, he gets to go first. <laughs> felony indictment? Never convicted. Never convicted. Never convicted. <laughs> An indictment is not a conviction. Um, I, I was name, gonna. I was still. gonna choose this one too. <laughs> <laughs> Were you really? Mm-hmm. Oh, but I, I had like a super. I thought I had like a super hot take that nobody would pick. Okay, here's the pick, everybody. My dark horse candidate to be a contributor to the Royals this year, impact player, Jordan Lyles. Hey, <laughs> everybody just turned Don't off laugh. their their podcast. Everybody just turned it off. They just <laughs> swear to God, click Jordan they're going to, to call him picking. Yeah, uh, Jordan Lyles is who I'm picking. Okay, that's it, it, and and here's why. <laughs> to be valuable, to be anything like that. He just has to not be like he was last year, right? My argument is an arguments three here, okay? Three points on on Jordan Lyles. One, great article how Jordan Lyles went to tread and really worked on his stuff this summer. That's helped out a lot of guys. Cole Reagans being the prime example, but a lot of other guys. Um, so Lyles improving himself at an advanced age, okay? I think he's better. All he has to re- do is regress a little bit anywhere. This is point number two, by the way, anywhere close to where he has been normally in his career. Okay. That last year was the worst season of Jordan Lyle's career. And and so like, you know, you figure you get a little bit of positive regression here and, and he's going to be that, that kind of contributor. And three, I saw him or heard him pitch once one time so far and it sounded better. So there we go. Uh, those, that's my, I left the weakest point for the end. There, <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, that was um, very clever of you. Don't worry. Nobody heard anyway. You. They already left. Uh, <laughs> so I think a point you could have made also is that the Royals won't be relying on him necessarily to pitch deeper into games all the time. So there's a decent chance that he gets pulled after five. If they're still competitive in the games that he's pitching, right? They're like, okay, this game is still close. We're pulling Jordan after five, as opposed to like, we're down you know, six, let's just keep him in and have him give us a couple extra innings, you know, like that might happen. But if they're close last year, he was staying in for six, seven, eight, no matter what. But hopefully this year, if the game is close, they're just going to pull him after five. The guy that I'm talking about as a, as my first dark horse candidate is Dyron Blanco. Everybody knows I'm a big Blanco fan who listens regular to this podcast or follows us on social media. That's because he put up 1.1 F war in like 130 some plate appearances last year. The guy is valuable if he gets playing time and you know, we don't talk about Blanco as a prospect because he's too old, but that also means that he's kind of in the prime of his career right now with a guy who's a speed guy like him, 28 or 29. I mean, he's 31. Is he really? Yeah. He's 31. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now normally for a, spe- for a speed guy, you'd be like, okay, he's just past his prime because legs start going. But last year he was 30 years old and he was one of, if not the fastest players in major league baseball. And so, you know, a guy who can swipe a bag, a guy. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that through injury or ineffectiveness or just be, just being part of a rotation, he ends up being a two to three war player 
who has tipped the scales of numerous games for them. And so, you know, I think Dyron Blanco as, a, as an impact player makes a whole lot of sense to me if he makes the team, right? Like we're talking about, there are still ifs. Now he's played well so far in spring training. I just can't imagine being like, hey, let's leave Dyron Blanco off this roster when he seems like the absolute perfect fit as a fourth outfielder to me. Uh, and so hopefully he makes it. Hopefully uh, he can be as impactful as I imagine he can be. Mike, give me your second player who has a chance, dark horse. I wouldn't call this guy a dark horse, who has a chance to impact, uh, be an impact player. The third one you chose definitely isn't. Go ahead, though. <laughs> I almost put Brady Singer on there, too. But uh, then I was like, hey. Eh, well, know, maybe Bobby Witt Jr. is a dark horse to be an impactful <laughs> player. What is that? How's that sound? No, like Freddie Fermin. And I think, the, I think the point of a dark horse here is, is he going to get the opportunities to really do that? Like, you know. I, I don't expect Salvador Perez to catch 130 games anymore. I don't think that's realistic. And so, and I think one, one more year advanced in age, I think there's an opportunity that he may DH or play more first base this year. So that means more opportunities for Freddie for more opportunities means more value that he can add to the team. Now, of course, if he isn't the player that you and I think he can be and that he was last year, then that would be not as impactful, but I would, I, I, I believe in Freddie for I think, He's going to put up some solid numbers. He's going to be a quality defensive catcher, which we know is is the case. And then I think he's going to do more with the bat. I think he's going to be, you know, around a 285 average, you know, maybe 360 OBP cross fingers on that one. That's pretty high, but cross fingers. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping I'm hoping for good things from Freddie for me. Freddie for me. And if he does pick up where he left off last year, Another guy who could easily be around a three-war player as a bench player because catchers get a lot more play as bench players than typical bench players than other bench players do. But a guy who could, yeah, really be impactful if if, if he, he could, if he gets there, if he gets that to that point, a three-war player from the from where he will be, he that's a damn. I mean, he's damn good then. That, yeah, that's huge value. I mean, you and I have I talked mean, about Freddie Vermeen is better than probably 10, 12 catchers who are catching every day for major league clubs. Maybe even more than that, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 You're a good right. catcher, <laughs> and so yeah, uh, I don't know if he's a dark horse, but he's definitely going to be an impactful player. I, I hope anyway. Um, my second player is one who you wouldn't think, based on you know my my critiques of him in the past, uh, but who's had a really good spring, and that's Nick Prado. Um, he's a dark horse for me to be an impactful player because we mentioned if you if you change that approach, if you bring his strikeout rate down by making him more aggressive in two strike counts, that changes a lot for him. All he needs to do, he hits the ball hard enough, okay? He has the potential to, he, he's not going to hit 35 home runs probably ever, but he could be a 20 to 25 home run guy with quite a few doubles and that sort of thing. So he hits the ball hard enough, right? But is he going to make enough contact? Is he going to do well enough in the shadow of the strike zone? It's looking like he's doing better in those areas. If he is, that's really a another offensive weapon for the Royals. We know that Prado has the potential to have a good glove at first. He's maybe not played so well at first defensively in the past, but he's a good athlete over there moves around the bag. Well, picks balls. Well, he just needs to cut back on errors and things like that. Um, so Prado, I think has that sort of potential. The question is, where's is he going to play? When's he going to be able to play there? We're not entirely sure about that, but that's what kind of makes him a dark horse. I think what, what batting average would you say Nick Prado has to have to say, okay, he's having a successful year offensively. You're saying like batting average for him, because if he's not going to hit 30 home runs, he's a first baseman. If he's, you know, 
what kind of batting average would you say he's got to he's got to get this many hits? You know, um, I think if he hits two fifty, he has the potential to be offensively too, effective. Exactly what I was thinking because he's going to walk enough that his OBP will be around three forty probably. 330, 340 if he if he can get to 250 as a batting average. And so I think he can do that as long as he's more aggressive on the edges of the strike zone, especially when he's got two strikes. And so if he can do that, if he can find those pitches, if he can get his barrel to those pitches, I think you're talking about who can be offensively successful. The question is, for me at this point, one, is, is that smoke and mirrors that we're seeing in just in spring training right now? And two, if he is, if he has turned it around, if he has progressed, where's his opportunity going to come? Because they're not going to be like Vinny Pasquantino, sit down so Nick Prado can play first base. They're not going to no, say but that. I think, but I think that makes him more um, likely to maybe trade in Nelson Velasquez or Hunter Renfro. You know, Hunter Renfro or Sa- maybe even Salvi. Uh, you know, at some point. So, like, uh, you know, it's definitely would definitely be a good problem to have. Oh, for sure, <laughs> I mean, for sure. Or even trading Nick nice. Prado, honestly. Uh, you know, yeah. it can be impactful yeah. by you know going to play for another team and getting something valuable from him. All right, Mike, give us your third player who is just, I guess, I guess we can call him a dark horse because he had like a 70 he had an weighted 80, runs graded plus. He had, a, he had an 84 weighted runs graded plus last year. Whatever. And that's why we can call him a dark horse, I think. You know, the hype around him is very high, you know, but the hype has never matched the production for him. So tell us you're, you're a third uh, yet, dark horse yeah. candidate. Uh, Michael Garcia is my third dark horse candidate. And in some ways, he's a dark horse because some of the value that he has is slightly taken away when he's moved to third base. He's not playing the premium shortstop position that he can play and play very well. So, you know, he does have to produce a little bit more with the bat if he's going to play third base. And I think he's going to always, you know, give you a gold glove caliber third base. He's going to be great there. But we didn't see the launch angle to combine with the hard hit rate to, to make him successful last year. Okay, so we're hoping for an improvement in the launch angle. Uh, we're hoping for, I'm hoping for slightly more patience so that he turns into more, I, I hope he starts accepting more of a role like a, like a leadoff man, you know, where it's like, Hey, I'm going to really focus on how can I get on base? Yes. I would love for him to hit more doubles, more home runs, things like that. Cause he's got the speed to really do stuff on the bases, but you know, I, I want him to focus on getting on first like that. I want him to really settle into that role because he could be super valuable if you're playing that level of defense and you're getting on at a little bit higher clip. And then occasionally you're driving one into a gap, but yeah, I, I think I think he, uh, you know, signs are in this in the he played Venezuela or whatever this mm-hmm. summer. Yeah, signs are good from there, and and he's done really well so far this spring. So maybe that's maybe he understands a role where he can be really good. Yeah, that's if we're calling Michael Garcia a dark horse, I think he's a great uh, candidate to be an impactful player because you know the glove is going to give him an impact of, you know, one and a half F war anyway, uh, no matter what. And so then you throw on what looks like some offensive improvement. He could be a four war player this year, four to five. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, oh, I would love that. That would be huge for the Royals being competitive. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Uh, my third my third player is definitely Dark Horse. I mean, this is a Dark Horse as it gets, really, um, who, still, who might still have a chance to actually impact the team. Uh, Anthony Viniziano, right? Uh, when you're looking for dark horses for Major League Baseball teams, in my mind, go into the starting pitching depth because the starting pitching depth is going to get used, right? And so mm-hmm. somebody in who is going to start on the AAA roster as a pitcher in the rotation is going to get significant Major League playing time. That's just going to happen, right? And Alec so, Marsh did it last year. Alec Marsh did it last year. And Elzerpa did it last year. Austin Cox did it last year. A lot of guys 
who, who were Mike Meyer did it last year. Like a lot of guys who are easily started at, in the AAA pitching staff ended up ha- playing a lot of innings for the major league team. Veneziano is my choice above guys like Bolin and Marsh and them mostly because I think there's a safe floor as a lefty reliever specialist. And so there's a chance he impacts the team in that way. This isn't necessarily saying Veneziano would be the first starter up from AAA. He might be, but plus he's had more actually AAA innings than both Marsh and Bolin, I think. I'm pretty sure. And so, you know, he, he maybe there is a good chance that he makes it as a um, AAA replacement for the, for the rotation. But I think there's a really good chance that he makes it to Major League Baseball in some capacity. Right. Even if it's just as like lefty out of the bullpen, I think there's a chance that he does that because I think there's a chance that he shows tremendous splits against lefties. I think there's a really good chance that he comes out the first 50 innings he pitches shows us that, oh, he kills lefties, but maybe struggles a little bit against righties. And then he comes up and they use him as a lefty reliever at some point. So I'm going with Veneziano. It also would not surprise me if he ends up being a really or a semi effective starter and gets those innings in the rotation as well. Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. Strong people crush walnuts with their hands. Really strong people crush them with their thighs. Mom crushes them between her toes. Mm -hmm. That's how she gets her toe working. Uh, The excellent (laughs) specialized care she got at All In Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Then she makes a lovely walnut-crusted salmon mm, with like a mm. honey mustard glaze. It's so good. Mm. Sounds nice. All in Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lisa its own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816 427 5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. The Royals get an off day on Monday before games against the Cubs, Mariners, Rockies, Rangers, D-backs, and A's. Mike and I will be going to that A's game for our first day of spring training action. I am super pumped for that. Can I, I, I need a vacation I can't even tell you. I need a vacation. Uh, you've had a rough week and a half. It's been a weeks. rough couple of weeks. And so yeah. I need a vacation desperately. And so I'm very excited. We're hitting the road. We're going out of spring training. Be sure to subscribe to Royal, the Royals Weekly Substack to get all that content, royalsweekly.substack.com, and that you, our YouTube channel uh, to see all the videos and stuff that we're posting. Mike, what do you want to see from the boys in Cactus League action next week? I'm, I'm really excited to see all the pitching live. You know, I just can't tell a whole lot about pitchers when I'm listening to it on the radio. Um, you know, I can, I can see the stat line and stuff, but I want, you know, Cole Reagans does come through in the radio still. I will say that uh, the excitement in the announcer's voices is plenty for him. But uh, yeah, I really want to see Veneciano. I really want to see Daniel Lynch. I really, you know, we were getting some stuff from Lesky today on Daniel Lynch and some of it wasn't fantastic news. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to see all those guys. I want to see Bolin throw. I want to see Waka's change up live. Like I want to see Seth Lugo. I really, I really want to see Seth Lugo. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking at the pitching. Um, that'll be really cool. And, you know, we'll talk about some other specific guys later, but yeah. I want to see the, the boppers, the guys in the middle of the lineup start finding their stride a little bit more. Now, Salvi 
got got three hits today, and it looks like he's starting to find his stride. But Velasquez still scuffling a little bit at the plate. Pascotino still scuffling seen a little much bit at the from plate. Renfro either. No, of course he has barely played. I yeah. think today was his second game. Um, so I want to see those guys who were expecting to put quite a few balls out start putting some balls out. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you know, we need Velasquez. Well, we especially need Pascantino, but we need Velasquez, Salvi, and those guys to be our big bats in the middle. I mean, we can win. We can talk about how important it is for the Royals to do things like, you know, run the base as well and play small ball and all that sort of stuff. But in the end of the day, the most efficient way to score runs is to hit the ball over the fence. And if you don't have guys doing that to some degree, you're in trouble, right? And so... We need Velasquez, we need Pascantino, we need Salvi, we need those guys to be offensive forces in the middle for us. And so I'd like to see them start hitting their stride in spring training here. Mike, as we get down there for a live look, what are you particularly hoping to see while we're there in person? Uh, what, what are some things you think we might be able to take a look at? Well, I want to see Hunter Owen pitch because he, did, he didn't pitch at all last year. So I, I want to see the, the lefty out of uh, Vanderbilt. The Royals took, I, I want to see him pitch. Caden Wallace, you and I got a chance to see him last year and some fielding opportunities. And uh, I want to see that again. I also want to see him hit again. I haven't been the the, the highest guy on Caden Wallace because, because Alex already <laughs> occupies that spot. Um, yeah. But hard, <laughs> hard to be when uh, with some of the Royals commentary out here. They're, they're Love you, Alex. Ready to put the guy on a, on a pedestal of some sort. But I'm not, I, I'm not quite there. I haven't been there. So I want to get down there and I want him to make me there. I want, I want him to go down there. I want Caden Wallace to make me want to fight Alex to be his biggest super fan. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I want to see Carter Jensen. I know he got, uh, he got sent to minor league camp today, I think. And yeah. so that was a little mm-hmm. sad. I, I wanted to see him up there with the big guys, but um, I, I'd still like to see him, especially catch. Um, I'd like to see him hit too, but uh, I definitely want to see him catch. So uh, yeah, there's a lot. Of, and I could keep going on. Like I want to see hero Wyatt throw. And I want to see, we got to see Austin Charles do a lot of hitting last year. I want to see him again. Like (laughs) there's so much I want to see. It's not all going to happen. And I got to set my expectations a little lower, but uh, I'm so excited to go see some of these guys. Same here. I'd like to see uh, Asa Lacey pitch. If we can catch a glimpse of that, I'm just curious to see if, you know, what happens when he throws the ball, does his arm fall off to see, you know, I don't know, like what what happens, you know? And so I'd like to see him pitch. I'd like to see Frank Bonzicato pitch, see what that, what that's looking like. Uh, I'd like to see Trevor Warner do some fielding. He's that's one piece of the puzzle for him that you don't get a great look at when you're watching video of him. What when you're scouting using video, the fielding is really the thing that is hardest to see because you can't see jumps because you can't see so many things. And so uh, I'm interested to see him field uh, quite a bit because he's he had a lot of errors last year, so he needed. Work and he's a bigger a guy. Um, he's a bigger guy playing third base. Guy. I mean, he's tall, right? Bigger guy, his running speed is actually more than you would imagine. He's pretty decent home to first, but what's that lateral quickness look like? What's that agility look like? That's important stuff to see on the on the infield dirt. Uh, I'd like to see John McMillan pitch and see like what's that looking like these days. Uh, Blake Mitchell catching would be a thing I'd be very interested in seeing. And then I'd like a closer look at Tyler Gentry. We got a closer look last year, and I could tell he was going to struggle as the season started because he looked out of sorts when we got to watch him in the cage. He did not look like he was happy with his cage work there. I'd like to see him because he's not hitting real well right now. I'd like to go see what it looks like uh, in person and see if it's a similar issue or if it's just, you know, he's not having a real great streak uh, in games, but he feels good on in the cage. That, that's what it will tell me something about Tyler Gentry. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's injuring to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, 
we do a lot of podcasts now, so it feels like we just did one of these the other day, but it, it was actually a week ago. Tell me, I'm, okay, I'm glad you, for a second I was worried that I was going to look at this uh, outline and see that you put the Kauffman Stadium tour on there and were trying to convince us that it's not about baseball, oh. but you, ha- you haven't, so that's good. <laughs> so that's good. Tell us what you want to, what's interesting in your life this last week. Well, it was actually an interesting conversation that I had with our good friend, Alex Duvall, uh, formerly of uh, Run Roy- One Royal Way and uh, uh, Royals Farm Review. Rose Farm Report, Rose Farm Report Farm podcast, podcast uh, huge friend of the show, but uh, he he put out there that because people are all watching the combine right now, the NFL combine, and there's tons of people commenting on stuff on social media, and every time something big, and I'm putting that in quotes for people just listening, because it's a combine. <laughs> every time something big happens, like Xavier uh, Worth uh, running the forty or Worthy, can't remember running the forty, the guy from Texas, it blows up. And he's like, I, you can't convince me that if something like this can be so seen and exposed and people watching it and all that sort of stuff, that track and field can't do the same thing, right? That we can't build mm-hmm. more of a large spectator fan base in the United States for track and field. And I, I texted him or I, I sent him a, a tweet back or a thread. I can't remember where it was um, back and said, hey, you know, I've always felt that way about track and field. And I've always felt that way about wrestling, like actual wrestling, like grappling, you know? Uh, like collegiate wrestling is super exciting and unbelievable. And it's so fast paced yet. We don't, nobody watches it. It's insane to me. Like, um, and so I, I was thinking like today when I was writing this down, one of those two sports needs like their, their viral moment, their 15 minutes, you know, like remember when poker was like just huge, Mm-hmm. And like it was F1 yeah. racing mm-hmm. most recently, like that was just absolutely blowing up for some reason. Wrestling or track and field need that. They need their that thing that's like, oh, because people watch the Olympics. Well, yeah. why don't, oh, oh. The thing that did it for Formula One racing was a Netflix docuseries on Formula One racing. If they had that for wrestling, oh. wrestling would in fact yes. blow up because it is a very dramatic sport. Yes. Like it is a very dramatic sport. That would be and so, so it would good blow. for wrestling. I'm convinced it would blow yeah. up. Track and field too, because you know track and field's got a lot of stuff going on, and there's just you have a lot to work with with track and field. I feel like I watch I've watched it with you some. It is very compelling, um, and so yeah, either one of those would blow up if they got the same sort of Formula One docu series treatment from Netflix. That's a free idea for you, Netflix. Next one's gonna cost you. That's right. Next one's gonna cost you. We'll take a we'll take a fourteen uh, but, uh, uh, picture deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are both excellent sports. Uh, that'd be great. I I can't really take on any more sport, sports sports <laughs> fandom. I watched too many yeah. already. <laughs> It's too much already, but uh, but I would love to see those sports get um, more recognition because they are really fun to watch. Um, I'm talking about the importance of projection this week. Okay, uh, today as I was, uh, I worked all day today, and so I'm sitting there supervising a group of graduate writers who are trying to get some writing done, and I'm I'm writing the outline and everything like that, and I'm like, boy, I am tired because my last two weeks have been hellacious, like really, really bad, and so. I'm like, I cannot wait to like be in Arizona. I'm just like projecting. I'm just imagining my future where I'm doing something different. And I thought about how often that has gotten me through particularly difficult moments in my life where like when you go to like grad school and thing like that, you have stretches that are awful, just horribly bad where you're working 70 hours a week and, and you're, you know, never seeing the people you care about and that sort of thing. Um, and so I started wondering about like, what's the difference between people who get really overwhelmed by those moments and people who seemingly deal with them. 
pretty well. And I think I deal with them pretty well. You'll never see me like cracking up, walking down the street, talking to myself. You might actually. I'm not going to say never. I'm not going to say never. But I usually try and handle those things. I think I do them okay. And I think the difference is the people who get overwhelmed in those moments have a difficult time imagining there will be a time when those moments aren't happening. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. when their life, when their life will be different, when the, when things will be better, when things will get easier and whether or not it's a fiction or not a lot. And I've been around graduate school for a lot of my life for of my adult life now, because I went to graduate school and then I became a faculty member and now I supervise grad students a lot um, or support them in different ways. And uh, there's like a, a common lie that they all tell each other or themselves, right? Which is, oh, if I just after, after this after next week, week yep. things <laughs> yep. will get easier well, because once, stuff will lighten yeah. up. Like just after the next one yeah. or after the next one. And they keep telling themselves that lie. I mean, I'm doing that right now that with our trip to Arizona. <laughs> so right, like, it happens. As soon as I go to Arizona, everybody does it. be okay. Right? Like, Everything's going to calm down. Right. <laughs> and this may be a lie, in fact. This, in fact, may be lying to yourself. <laughs> but... It is a useful lie. It got me through many, many years of extremely hard work, right? And so uh, it's just, I wanted to think about and sort of pay homage to the notion that being able to imagine your future and that future look uh, somewhat different or somewhat rosy or somewhat easier has so much value to our lives. And if you're ever struggling with a moment and you're thinking, man, when is my life ever going to get easier? Or, you know, man, this feels really overwhelming right now. Think about a time when it will be easier, right? Even if you have to tell yourself, well, it's, it's, you know, even if it's a little bit of a fiction, even if it's a little bit uh, not, not true, yeah. uh, it can be really useful to say, hey, it's really, really tough right now. This too shall pass. In a couple of weeks, I get to go to Arizona or whatever, you know, like, um, and so that's just my two cents on the notion of how important projection, projection is. Um, so what I'm doing now is projecting myself into, into Arizona. <laughs> And hopefully you will join us while we're down there because uh, Mike and I will be putting out tons of content. The next time you hear from us, if you don't subscribe to the Substack and get our midweek episode, the next time you hear from us, we will be in Arizona having a blast. Yeah. Right? Oh, Mike? yeah. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. Till then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>